1: Hey everybody! Welcome back. What a weekend! What a couple of weeks to be a Mets fan. This has been uh, it's been wild. This is the uh, the drama that none of us really wanted or expected, but I'm sure that we're all deep down kind of enjoying it. Taron, have you lost any hair this weekend?
0: Uh, big time, and I got a uh, you know. So I have the here we go. Oh, series winning beer. We nice. love it. Um, well, is that for is that for the Mets or the Mariners? That's for the Ma- <laughs> the M's. It's for teams. It's LFGM no
1: across the board.
0: That's right. And uh, I gotta admit something, Tim. What's up? I uh, I've been stomping around the apartment. I have been in a grumpy mood. I have been a terrible partner, yelling profanities about the Mets and saying. Oh, they're dead. I have been very upset this week. You know, I think we're generally positive people. And uh, and that can take a toll when you feel like you have been wrong the entire time. And I felt that I had been wrong. And um, geez, that day uh, that the Mets were in second place, it wasn't fun. I hope that they don't do it again the rest of the year. How about that?
1: See, I don't mind it, especially when you consider the circumstances around it. The Mets haven't played bad baseball. They've played about a week of bad baseball, and then they've turned it around, which is apparently not against the rules in baseball. You're allowed to turn it around if you're playing bad, which is always a cool thing. Um, You know, the Braves have been playing lights-out baseball. I mean, the Mets could have been playing, I believe, they could have won two out of three, or, or at that pace, and uh, and still been caught by the Braves. I, I believe they would have been caught this week if they played at a two out of three pace. Which, you know, that's incredible.
0: And Cat what did what they play? Like a like a one point seven five out of three, or something like that. Something like that.
1: What would yeah. well, two out of three would be? Uh, six sixty six yeah 667 winning percentage and the Braves have been playing like 730 so <laughs> i mean i believe they would have caught up to them sooner or later they caught up to them and now both teams are kind of feeling the pressure and i i think the mets little downturn i know ron darling was talking about it in the booth um this week how you could feel the pressure at you know when the mets really weren't scoring runs with every pitch with every at bat you could feel that pressure mounting and that's from outside looking in You have to think that that takes some getting used to. And by the end of the weekend, I mean, between Saturday and and Sunday, the Mets scored 20 runs and put up 30 hits.
0: Yeah. So what is the difference? Do you think that they've just bottomed out or are you seeing something like in terms of better at bats that is leading to greater run production?
1: Honestly, I mean, again, this is a very amateur look at things, but um, taking that pressure and, 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 just that comfort level that guys had all year. And, you know, seemingly that that was out the window. Um, and, and that's not really characteristic of this roster. You haven't seen guys, you know, slump in bunches. And there were still some guys hitting throughout the whole thing. I mean, we'll talk about the guys who have been uh, performing well as of late. But, you know, just no, no one looked – no one had that confident, cocksure look at the plate like they had been all year. Um, And I think, I mean, this is just, again, me throwing darts. I would point to the added pressure of knowing, okay, now Atlanta's actually either nipping at our heels or they've overtaken us. And it seemed like once Atlanta jumped over them, everything clicked. And it was, you know, it's been, I don't want to say smooth sailing, but Extremely encouraging to see everybody kind of wake up, to see that confidence back. It's huge.
0: Yeah. And and so specifically Lindor said that the group had hit a wall more or less. And I think that's pretty typical of a major league season, right? Like there's going to be ebbs and flows. You've talked about it all year. Like you more than anyone has talked about it, Tim. Like they're, There were going to be ups and downs in this. And for the most part, it's been up, right? What do you mean? No, I I was saying like the Mets season there or any baseball season, there's going to be ups and downs. And for the most part, the Mets have been up. And so for them to have like a bad week, Lindor to say that they've hit a wall. They lost four games in the last week, uh, two to the Nats one to the pirates and one to the Marlins, all games where they haven't had offense production, but also where they haven't had great pitching. And so for this group to understand that they've hit the wall, they're going to try to get through it. The, uh, you know, Eduardo Escobar is the first of the group to kind of come back, but they've got more reinforcements on the way. Uh, I, I think that there's just an understanding in the clubhouse that they know that they are going to be in this battle all the way. And to have, like, a bounce back, they did it in Pittsburgh, and then they've done it in Miami. I I just think that that speaks to the quality of the team and uh, and, and their character. Oh, I mean –
1: Downtimes are unavoidable. And yeah, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record because we have talked about this when the Mets have, you know, hit the skids and it's been very short lived each time they have. I mean, they still haven't lost more than three in a row all season. They, they've they had this uncanny ability to turn it around quickly, to not be affected by the outside static, to just, Find their rhythm, find their groove, and get back to what they do, which is win ball games at a very, very impressive pace. I think this weekend again, and it's the Marlins, and you don't want to overlook it. But as we've said a million times, you have to you have to eat against inferior competition. And lately, yeah, the Mets. All right, so let's. I'm going to take it back to August 15th. On August 15th, I'm sorry, August 15th, the Mets started their – four-game series against the Braves. That ended on the 18th. Uh, since then, I guess, and on the 18th, the Mets were three and a half up in the East. Since then, the Mets have only lost one series. They've lost They lost two out of three to the Nationals. They, they, they took three of four from the Phillies, lost two of three to the Nationals, took two of three from Pittsburgh, took two of or or three from Miami. Now, the Losing the series to Washington and then losing that first game to Washington—I mean, if you didn't, if you had no access to standings, if you had no, if if you were just jumping into social media Mets world at that point, you would think that the Mets were cooked. They were done. It, It was over. They were an awful team. They overachieved all year. This is not a ready for prime time ball club. Everything, all the evidence points to the opposite. And I know this is probably a rhetorical question, but I can't wrap my head around why. And, and, and there's you know, I, I don't want to get on fans for fanning as they fan. There's no wrong way to do this.
0: No, yeah, no. Talk, <laughs> to, talk to me because I've been that guy this week. Like, I'm somewhat ashamed to say it. Maybe I'm not a good fan or whatever, but no, I, I've, I've been kind of on the ledge this week. So yeah, what you're saying, like you're saying it to me, it's fine. No. Yeah. I'm just kind of venting. And, and, and it's more along the
1: lines of, I never, I don't want to change anybody's mind. You know, if you enjoy the high stress point of view of watching, of, of taking in baseball, more power to you that yes, that's just how no, you i, you know, I think you.
0: i i don't enjoy it i think no no that, not
1: you just in general like fans because yeah, no, there's, no, no. there's some out there who probably enjoy this and there's nothing wrong with that it is what it is yes, i just don't understand I, it
0: not for me i i hate <laughs> on the on the edge i would love for every game to be predictable and for the mets to win all of them but no for but, me but, but Are they not
1: predictable? See, that's that's where where I'm hung up. To me, they are predictable. We've seen them get back in line. We've seen them shake them, uh, you know, dust themselves off and pick themselves back up so many times this year. I think that history is being leaned on a lot more than it should. I think that um, their track record this year doesn't point at all to a team that's quote-unquote collapsing. There's, it, there's it, it's 162 yeah. for a reason and it's beautiful, but there's, you know, teams just don't go out and win 80% of their games for four months. Like the Braves are doing right now. It just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. No, um, the, this, the, the Braves, what they've done since June 1st is special. There's no way around that. Like what they have done is amazing. And, and, and it took that to catch the Mets I think yeah. you can say, like, oh, 10 and a half games, they blew it. It's not. <laughs> that Mets played at a normal pace, and that is true. And that's, and that's where my tweet – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I think what happened specifically this week, right, the Mets losing to the teams that they did is incredibly frustrating. I'm not going to apologize for being frustrated by them – playing like shit against the Nats or the pirates or the Marlins. Cause those are teams that are not actively trying to win.
1: Well, 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 well is the flip side of that coin there. There's the underdog spoiler aspect. And that's very real. And I think that you saw teams that wanted to win, when the Mets played them. And I think that woke the Mets up like, Oh shit, these guys are not going to be walked over. And, and I think that you saw that come out this weekend in Miami.
0: I, I, I would hope so, and maybe they pick up that vibe and that's what they take the rest of September because those are the teams that they're going to be playing, and those are the teams that they can get fat on, and they've gotten fat on those types of teams all year. Um, it, but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being upset that they played like poorly against those teams, especially that the pitching has not been good. Against those teams, but yeah, as much as I'm saying like those teams are not trying to win. That's like an organizational thing. I'm not saying that the players are not trying to win. Obviously, like all of the Marlins players want to do well. They all want to have like careers beyond this season. They want to play for winning teams. They they're playing for their next jobs as much as they they're playing for this one. But I think that the vibe around the Mets losing the division lead, which they've gained it back. They're up a game and a half, Tim. But the uh, the the vibe around them losing the division lead would have been so much different if they had done it against, like, a winning team as opposed to, like, them having a bad week against cellar dwellers, right? Don't you agree with that? Yeah. I. I you know,
1: the world – the Dodgers' world didn't end when they got swept out of Pittsburgh earlier.
0: Exactly. No, at home against Pittsburgh, they lost all three games at home against Pittsburgh.
1: Oh, I thought they, they got swept in Pittsburgh. I'm no. sorry. My apologies.
0: Yeah. No. So that's the thing. Like, yes, good teams are going to still lose games yeah. even at home, dude. One sixty two and O is
1: is unrealistic. Yes. One twenty and one twenty and forty is unrealistic. But, you know, there's going to be <laughs> – there's so many different factors that go into the momentum needed to win a World Series. That's why you see so many wild card teams yes. get hot and win. That's why you see teams back into, Giants. Yeah. back into the postseason and win. Yes. That's why you see teams like the 2001 Mariners, who were virtually unstoppable. 116 wins. Oh, one of the most fun – exciting, you know, and ESPN, ESPN2 would carry their games and stuff like that at night. So you'd stay up late and watch them. And it was just a treat to be able to watch a team that efficient and effective. And they lost in the first, in the first round, in the division yes. round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, oh. this is baseball, man. I know that I believe Lindor was saying it post-game a couple of nights ago. And he, he kind of leaned on it a couple of times. Like, it, it's baseball. But that's, it's the most Poignant answer to any of this is that it's baseball. Nothing is certain. Nothing is sure. Nothing is uh, everything. Almost everything is possible. It's baseball. It is. Just get to the show, get to the dance, and, and, and take it from there. And the Mets, I think they realized this week, especially with the Braves right up their rear ends, is that playoff baseball starts right now. Every at-bat, every inning, every pitch. Taiwan Walker gutting through seven on Sunday. Like, you know, little things that the Mets were doing so well all year, but, you know, it's 162. It gets stale. It gets old. You got to shake yourself back up. You you know, there's a whole bunch of things that kind of go into it. But right now, this is, you know, this is it. This is when – this is when you flip those switches on and you don't you don't switch them off until the season's over over not the regular season everything until that last out those those switches have to stay on as mentally grueling as it might be when it comes down to it it's decision making it's execution it's and that's across the board that's from the coaching staff down to the players up to the front office everybody the little things is what's going to carry this very, very talented team further and further uh, to their, to their pinnacle. And and I think that everyone here, me and you and whoever's listening can agree that this team's peak, this team's Zenith is a world series title. It's a very realistic goal for this ball club. And there's, there's going to be stiff competition national league, especially this is going to be a, a, very very exciting postseason Mets or not but I, I put this team up against anybody in a seven game series and a five game series with this pitching with this the clutch jeans that this team has worn. <laughs> I mean this is um it's a special ball club. I don't think there's any question around that and it, you know, I think it's fair and it's it's understandable to live and die with this team, with any team, because, you know, we're a passionate fan base. But in the same respect, I think big picture and perspective are also very, very important when there's 162 games and a lot of different factors that go into what comes out at the end of a very, very long season. I hope I didn't draw on for too long. No,
0: I I, I agree with that, and I don't think that that any of that is to say that winning the division is not important. I think that we both agree winning the division is very important in terms of getting the bye, being able to set up your pitchers, not having them gassed, especially given that, like, you know, both of our top pitchers who are probably the two best in the world, honestly – both of them are older. Both of them are coming off of serious injury, and we need them both to be healthy for an entire postseason run. And a lot of that requires that things line up kind of perfectly. Like, you never know uh, when this left side fatigue that uh, that, that Scherzer is dealt with or the scalpula kind of thing that DeGrom has dealt with are going to pop up. So we're kind of banking on like these, these bullets coming at the right time. So I think that that is part of it,
1: right? Like that, there's a big part of it. And I think the other part of it is when something does happen, when max goes out unexpectedly for 10, 15 days, retroactively, whatever, you need guys to step up. And I think that, you know, look at Peterson, Trevor Williams, who's done it all season. You know, again, it comes back to the little things, right?
0: Yeah. And and Peterson wasn't at his best uh in the the opening game of this series. But really no. what it came down to is that um, you know, we're we're relying on Joely Rodriguez to kind of be the lefty in this bullpen, and he really wasn't at his best either, right? And he hasn't been recently. But...
1: See, the, the funny... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But No, before... it's fine.
0: I, like, I'm, I'm move... only saying these things as, uh, as uh, to spur the conversation. Right? <laughs> I... Before we move away from Joe Ellie, like, I, I
1: think we have talked about it before. I mean, you know, going back to the beginning of August, up until his last outing, where it wasn't pretty, you know, he had a to a sub 2.7 ERA over since August 1st. Um, it doesn't mean that he should be in super high leverage spots though, especially when his splits aren't what your quintessential Lugie would be. Um, you know, he's a, I think he's a valuable piece in the bullpen. I just think he's got to be used more effectively and I know that there's still holes right now. I know with, with Trevor May on the, on the shelf, um, he was supposed to be towards the back end. Lugo gave up a home run on Sunday, which was, you know, uncharacteristic. But you got to hope guys are just kind of working out these kinks. And, you know, come October, um, you know, when you're looking at Lugo to Adovino to Diaz or and then whoever has to hand it off to those three, I mean – the Mets could be in very good shape between McGill, Drew Smith working his way back. Um, Let's say Peterson gets pushed out of the rotation. Just get, you have to get there. (laughs) You have to get there and get there comfortably and get there healthy. And, and, you know, just hats off to the guys who have got the Mets to this point and are still being called on to, I guess wear shoes that don't quite fit them, and then that's kind of where joelly comes in where you know I think I would have to assume that Buck knows that joelly Rodriguez and Michael Gibbons should not be in the in in the seventh or eighth innings of a tight game, but sometimes they have to be. Um I think that Mets fans are a little frustrated because you know again, Mets fans who are and i I'm in the same boat. there's just sometimes that you don't want to see. Either of those guys in those spots, but flip side of that coin, you're preparing them for much, much bigger spots, you know, in a few weeks or in about a month. Um, they're going to have to be ready for the pressure cooker. And, and you know, maybe there's a method to Bucks madness. Who knows? I'm just saying I like the pieces here. They just got to be used correctly.
0: Yeah, uh, I hope that there's a method to madness. He's a lot smarter than I am. He knows a lot more about baseball. He's watched a lot more games than I have. So I hope that yeah. um, that there's something there. Let's take a break, real quick. We'll talk about uh, Darren Ruff that uh, and Tyler Naquin that sort of platoon and and what you saw from Mark Bientos in the uh, in in his major league debut.
1: Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Escobar's on my list and the return of Guillaume And I think that should bring us to the end. But please, I'm sorry. Take us into the break, my friend. That was beautiful.
0: Yeah, um, we, we'll uh, We'll hear from our sponsors. And uh, so we'll be back.
1: You're a fucking natural. Excuse me. Hang tight. We'll be right back.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: And welcome back. Um, we're having fun. All things considered, man, this is actually really fun. I think that's what it comes down to. I think that's what everyone has to embrace, is that this is all just a, it's a form of entertainment. And, uh, you know, the room for analysis and the room for, for banter is, is kind of just bonus. And, and plenty of room for that.
0: I'll say, I'll say hard for me to keep the perspective given, uh, that we're watching it as fans, but I appreciate your ability to do it. Honestly, I, um, I am, I, I feel more and more as we're getting towards the, uh, the, the games that matter most, I am living and dying with these pitches.
1: Oh yeah. I have yes. learned to, um, to kind of sip it and savor it. And I, for so long, I let, this team and and all my sports teams um really affect my like my life um yeah and maybe this is just all a defense mechanism to, to to stop that from happening but like I don't let myself um get too wrapped up I say that now let's let's see where we're at in a month and, <laughs> like, winning or losing big games and I've got tears running down my face like
0: yeah. you know, let's see. <laughs> Can I just say that I think it is this team in particular for me, I, um, this is just such a great group. And, and I just really hope that they get a chance to, to get what is the ultimate prize that, that piece of metal at the end, because they, they, this group really deserves it. I still think that this is the best Mets club in my lifetime. So Let's uh let's talk a little bit more about uh who might re be rejoining this group.
1: How it all shapes up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well we got some guys returning very soon. We got some guys returning moderately soon. Let's 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 yeah. run the uh, so let's,
0: let's talk about the easy um ones first. So uh Scherzer he threw a bullpen yesterday and uh and Buck said that went well. So that bodes well for him being back in like a week and a half, right? Because he's backdated.
1: Yeah. So, and it, it sounded like he was pretty at, pretty sure that this wouldn't be a serious thing.
0: Yeah. And so it might be just as much as they're trying to limit his innings against uh, like middle, lower table clubs as much as it is. Uh, <laughs>
1: it sounded like you said tablecloths. I'm sorry. I giggled. My yeah. apologies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh Trevor May also threw recently. He uh Buck also said that he was more or less fine.
1: More or less fine. I like that. Keep, yeah. keep it keep it vague.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think that we know exactly what we're gonna get from Trevor May. He's looked both uh bad this year and he's looked really good at times. Yeah. Uh he's done things like um Strike out two out of three batters in an inning, and he's also uh, given up a lot of hard contact. So, uh, w- what do you think? What is his role on a postseason roster? What is Trevor, Trevor May? Yeah, get
1: big outs. <laughs> That's everybody's role in the play, at least in the bullpen on a postseason roster.
0: Sure. So, like, what's get the May. scenario in which you're using Trevor May?
1: Oh, I'm. I'm. I'd love to get him work because he's. He said it. In the past, he said it to the to the press corps. He's actually said it on this podcast, you know, going back to, I guess, probably going into his first spring training with the Mets. He spoke with us. Um, regular, consistent work is what brings the best Trevor May out. And so, you know, I, I'm hesitant to throw him directly into the fire without knowing that his command and his control and his feel for his pitches, which – you know, this is not just a Trevor May thing. This isn't an any pitcher thing. Once, once I guess you know, not looking at it from a fan perspective, looking at it from a someone who's all right, who's going in next perspective. If Trevor May is confident in in his in everything he's doing out there, I, I put Trevor May out in any setup type situation, and I'm, I'm, I'm good. But I think getting them to that point is the crux of this entire process for him right now. And I I don't know, like, you know, I haven't seen him throw any of his rehab, right? I haven't seen a bullpen, nothing. Most of us have, not but in the same respect, I think we've seen Trevor May when he's at his best. And that confidence is, is palpable when it's there. I just, you know, Hefner and co have to get him to that point because once he's thrown with confidence, he's, one of the best relievers in baseball. We've seen it. Whether he loses his command, whether he loses his control, whether he loses his competence, something's always kind of gotten his way, or, of course, injury. Um, But, you know, last year for probably the last month or so that the Mets were in it, and then through the end of the year when they were pretty much out of it, Trevor May was outstanding. And nobody really took notice of it because the Mets were either falling apart or had already fallen apart. And it was just too tough to watch for most, which I get totally. That was a really hard year, but, um, I think Trevor may could be an X factor of sorts in October, especially if that confidence is there.
0: And the Mets have a lot of guys that could be possibly in that position of X factor. Um, we were discussing a little bit offline about uh, David Peterson. Uh, where where do you see his role kind of shaking out in this last month? Do you think he's going to continue to be in the spot start role? And uh, if not, do you think he'll be paired with a, a kind of guy that maybe they don't trust to go as long, whether that's uh, Cookie or uh, Taiwan Walker?
1: Well, Taiwan gave him seven on Sunday, which is very encouraging. I want to say, and
0: Cookie, Cookie. And Cookie gave him six. And yeah, Cookie went six. And he six.
1: He looked really, he looked really sharp. As the game star. went on. Yeah, I, I want to say it was uh, Meek Phil, our buddy Meek Phil, who's also a friend of the pod, is over at the, uh, um, at the barstool with the barstool Mets gang. And, you know, I guess we were talking early in the game how, uh, just I guess I mentioned he hadn't looked as sharp as he had which is to be expected i mean he was on the il for a while his first start back was after no rehab starts and he didn't look great um but i really as the night went on i think that was saturday he looked really good and the confidence was back it's such a big part of it man but uh yeah i'd love to see him employ that splitter and slider and work them off each other and i think his cutter works off the slider and that's even more impressive when he could do that it's uh he's a big part of what the Mets are trying to do and whether it's him or Bassett or Walker, they're going to be needed. The way that the playoff scheduling is um, this isn't going to be a a one, two, three and turn it over again type situation Um, between travel days and lack of off days. It's going to be, you know, all hands on deck. And that's, that's, I think that's what this team is built for, man. This is a lot of, a lot of solid depth.
0: Yeah. And I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but for anybody that does not know the, uh, the playoff schedule has been changed this year. The NLDS schedule has one fewer off day and, and as does the, uh, the NLCS schedule. So it is going to put more pressure on, uh, fourth starters than you would have in other years.
1: Now to answer your question about piggybacking. Yeah. Um, I think down the stretch during the regular season, I, I, you know, getting Williams a day, if something goes awry, uh, I think having Peterson stretched out, having Williams stretched out to be those long guys is great. I know Lucchese made a rehab outing with Binghamton possibly on Sunday. Um, If he can be of any assistance, great. He's a, you know, he's a major league caliber pitcher.
0: And he's uh, eligible, right? Because he's been on the, he's on the 60
1: days. So, yeah, he yeah. could be added. Exactly. And Vientos could technically be added, too. Um,
0: yeah. As long as he's, he's been on the 40. Game. Sorry? He, he's been on the 40 the entire time. It was uh, uh, August 31st. That was the uh, the day that people had to be on the 40 in order to uh, be eligible for the postseason.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was on the 40, so he's good. But, like, say someone like, uh, you know, someone who wasn't on the 40, they could always technically be added. Um, As long as they're replacing an injured player, they can get a waiver from the commissioner's office to add a player.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's got to be like, you know, we need to bring this player up. He's replacing so-and-so. It's been done before, and from what I've read, it's almost like a formality. Um, but you know, that, that, that playoff, uh, eligibility deadline is, uh, there's certainly some, some wiggle room, some gray area there.
0: That's, uh, that's good to know. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we were speaking about, uh, rehab assignments, uh, Tyler McGill, he, uh, he struck out the side in Syracuse. This week, uh, when do you expect him to make his move up? And uh, is he the fireman in the bullpen uh, it, uh, come October?
1: I am so intrigued by what Tyler McGill could be coming out of the bullpen, just because he's got such a a, a nice array of pitches. He, yeah. He's he can be a strikeout guy in a starter role.
0: Imagine and he can push that up to a hundred. Uh, Yeah, exactly.
1: In in a relief role, he's going to be pushing harder. Even if he's going 98, 99, his secondary is going to work so much better off of velocity, which is, you know, that's just how it works. I think it's going to open up a lot more doors for him as far as keeping guys off balance, sequencing, tunneling, especially if ah, I'm trying to remember his repertoire off the top of my head. He throws a four-seamer, he throws a slider, he throws a changeup. And his slider and his changeup work off each other. There's one I want to say there's one more pitch that he throws. Gosh darn it. I can't think of it. I don't even know if I'm correct. But if 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 he if he has that cast token, please do. Um, if he's adding velocity and keeping that tunneling, man. You know, whether it's to righties or lefties, whatever he's using, the slider or the changeup, um, it's going to make those things bite even harder, at least from a hitter's perspective. You know, if he wants to go chest high outside to a lefty, and then I don't know if you've seen Trevor May throw, he throws a high changeup as well. A lot of guys are starting to throw higher changeups, high sliders too, which I think is dangerous because to a hitter, it looks like a just a hanging slider, which is appealing. Of course they're going to swing at it, but unless you got that sharp cut and it's going to dip right underneath their bat, it's a freaking dangerous pitch. <laughs> but a a chest high or like a midsection high changeup to me is it's such an effective pitch because guys again, they look at it and they're like, "Oh, this is just a hanging breaking pitch." And it jumps the other way. And I think it really throws them off whether it's to a lefty going away or from a right-handed pitcher or uh, or to a righty going in. I think that for a guy like McGill, who has his stuff that can work in so many different ways, adding velocity to that mix on a consistent basis, I think it's going to, yeah, I think he, he's going to be an extremely effective relief pitcher. I think he's got the mindset for it. I think he's got the FU attitude for it. Um, You know, the quiet, calm, reserved type, but put him out there in a, you know, in an October game in the eighth inning, and it's important. Oh, and I bet you get the best of Tyler McGill. I'm oh man, I'm firing myself up right now, man.
0: You really are. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited about Tyler in the sense that um, he's known that that his, that this is going to be his role for what is it, three or four months now. He he's yeah. known ever since he got injured that that when he comes back, he's going to be the guy out of the bullpen. And I think that opens the door for him uh, and and Ottavino to kind of share that uh, setup man role. And, and so if he comes back and he throws hard and he's still able to get both sides of the plate out, I, I, I think that that sets him up to be a, a setup man, which – I think is massive because that's what the Mets are waiting on i I think is just to have somebody that is reliable in terms of getting to Diaz and um our guy, uh Adovino, who nobody thought was gonna be at this position but really has been fantastic the entire year, except for rare instances
1: he, uh, early on early on he was shaky but otherwise i mean in the second half him diaz and lugo have been three of the best relievers in the national league
0: yeah except for the uh, the off occasion other than um it's the world of that, a reliever that,
1: though adivino uh, it's the world of any reliever it's yeah. such a volatile position i mean you can't go out and be expected to be perfect um every night i mean mariano everyone's not mo <laughs> everyone's not edwin diaz and even edwin diaz we were talking about it a few weeks ago he looked shaky and good on him for being able to reel himself back in in the moment as opposed to going on a a week-long freaking bender not like a, <laughs> a substance mm-hmm. bender but like a, a you know a stuff bender where he, he just doesn't he can't find the strike zone he's leaving him over the heart whatever mm-hmm. um
0: but even Mariano Rivera, as good as he is, uh, also yeah. You know, They're, the
1: They're humans. They they lose. They, they lose their feel for their stuff. It's always going to happen. It's about you know getting yourself back in order as quick as possible. And I, I mean, I know we have orange and blue tinted glasses on when it comes to this, but I really yeah. think that. Not just the pitching staff, top to bottom. You look at this whole roster. You look at the whole coaching staff, the whole culture, the vibe. You were talking about it in the first half. Everyone's ready to roll with those punches. It seems like everyone's knows what's in front of them. The veteran presence has everyone ready to embrace that do-or-die mentality and, and not over-expend themselves. I hope I said that right. Um yeah.
0: so couple more things. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, man. I'm just no, you're we're
1: are this is uncharted territory, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's 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 finish up. A Couple more things. Uh we'll talk about rest of the postseason roster. Nito went deep today. Finally. Is he, yeah. <laughs> is he the starting catcher in game one of the playoffs?
1: He was my starting catcher in spring training, but um, if McCann is still hitting, which he's been hitting as of late, I think in the yes. last week he's turned it on considerably.
0: It's above 300, the last oh, 200. I don't know if
1: that's sustainable, <laughs> but let's just say that he's still hitting and he's still in the you know, he's still somewhat reliable from the plate. Um, um I think a true platoon is going to be the way to go, and I, I wouldn't totally be against it, but Nito receives this staff so well and everyone looks so much more comfortable pitching to him. Um, yeah. Game one, Nito gets the nod.
0: Okay. And uh, Dom Smith went deep this week in Syracuse. He obviously doesn't have any role probably with the Mets in, uh, in 2022, but do you think he has any, roll with the Mets in twenty three? Uh, is he? Uh, is he going to get moved a, a, in the offseason? Is he non tendered? What do you think?
1: I think he's going to be non tendered, and I think this is going to be one of the more <sighs> gut punch non tenders in recent memory. Um, you know, there. Dom was a first round pick. Dom battled through a lot. Yeah, Mets to really find that. a peak with the Mets. And he did as short-lived as it was. um, He found a peak. The 2020 season was outstanding for him. Second half 2019 was terrific. He found a peak. And at some point we, I know we just talked about being comfortable and being confident that all kind of just fell apart. And, And I think, you know, there's a lot that goes into what happened there. And I think that Dom spoke a little bit about it in some, you know, through some, media outlets um, just being uncomfortable and ready to move on. And I, I think everyone thought that he was going to be traded when he publicly requested it, but the Mets just kind of dicked around with him all year. And I, I genuinely hope as a fan of Dom Smith that uh, he's not affected long-term, but I, I kind of see him being non-tendered and, you know, that fresh start that J.D. Davis is enjoying in San Francisco right now. Yeah. I fully expect Dom Smith to land somewhere, play every day, regain his confidence, and be a a a, a major league caliber first baseman. Um, and even regain that groove that found him finish sixth in weighted runs created plus in 2020. I, I he's he still has that in him. He's a line drive gaps hitter, um, terrific fielder. He can find a spot. And and whether it's in Baltimore, who's been picking up guys and getting the most out of them all year, Uh, maybe it's in Boston, you know, Dom's going to land somewhere and he's going to be fine. I really genuinely think that. And I just hope the Mets didn't mess him up that bad.
0: Oh, so you heard it here first. Simply amazing. Dom Smith, he's going to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in the Shohei Otani trade that brings uh, Shohei to the Mets. Amazing, amazing breaking news there, Tim.
1: Well, you know, I, 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 do have to keep my sources, um, very protected in this, in this case, but you know, if the Mets are going to get, Epler. Billy <laughs> <Epler's the source. laughs> no, it's, 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 it's Illy Bepler, bro. It's, it's, it's his long, 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 <laughs> it's like fourth cousin twice removed or something, but yeah, Illy Bepler, he's my buddy. Um, no, between, <laughs> Otani and trout and the the impending sale of the angels um a year ago I would have said yeah like why would we be laughing about it just talking about it. oh yeah Tom Smith and Luis Kiorme for 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 Otani and trout shout out to Brian what's up <laughs> come back Brian that's my boy um but you know you have to actually think that if those guys go on the market the Mets are gonna Blow everything up to to make a push, and, and probably land on their feet and hit the ground running doing so. And, and it's just uncharted territory. I don't know what to think as a Mets fan right now. Really? I, I get yeah. why I get everyone's kind of all twisted up and the Mets lose a couple of games or they look shitty for a couple of games. They get all all wound up because we're Mets fans. We've been down this road so many times, but I don't know how many times we can tell you guys this is different everything is different they might lose this year it might be an extremely disappointing ending they almost certainly will. But-
0: i i mean like the, you think about the the percentages yeah i mean they they almost certainly will not do the thing that we want them to do at the end that <laughs> none of us have ever gotten to enjoy no almost certainly just because those are the odds but in terms of like teams that have a chance they're right up there yeah. Oh, absolutely They're right there. They might, they might do it. Nice. Even, even as much as like all of us, like freak out about every single game and which there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like it, yeah. it's just, if you follow baseball, it's just so many games. <laughs> not be upset if you watch bad baseball.
1: Yeah. Um, I, and you know, I think, Bad baseball coinciding with injuries coinciding with guys getting used to being in new places.
0: I mean, coinciding with the team behind you never losing.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a, it's a perfect storm of an exciting September. I mean, look at Luis Guillermo and a lot of people have pointed this out, how the Mets kind of lost their footing as a team, not the Braves, notwithstanding just kind of lost their footing their 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 rhythm once luis kiorme hit the shelf um that kind of makes sense he's a glue guy we've always said that shout out to simply amazing podcast for always being fans of luis kiorme hi andrew me and andrew had probably the 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 most heated it wasn't an argument but it was the most heated conversation probably ever ever had on this show and this was way back when this might have even been before it was called simply amazing but um it was about Luis Quiorme and i was sure that he was a major league caliber player and andrew was not so positive and
0: was this and, after the 22 pitch at
1: bat oh this was well before the 22 pitch at bat this Ooh, was, this was wow, you're uh, ahead it was of early it. on and then andrew ahead of it. Attendance when giorme hit that big home run in 2019 End of of the year, like last week, against the Nationals. 2019, possibly 2020, but I think 2019. And he started to come around. And then this year, I mean, Andrew and everybody else, they're just, you know, they get it. They're looking at Luis Guillorme and say, oh, this is what, I mean, it's not just me. This is what many, many Luis Guillorme diehards are talking about. Ernest, Ernest Dove, we got to shout out Ernest. Uh, Jacob, of course, was all over this. Um, you know, Luis Guillorme, his contact skills reminds everyone of uh, of Jeff McNeil. His glove skills remind everybody of Jeff McNeil. But, you know, this year we've seen that Luis Guillorme is his own player. It's his own brand of baseball player. <laughs> it's his own brand of play. He's just, um, he's not built like many other ball players. And yeah. I think the Mets missed that, genuinely. And I think once once he comes back, especially now that Escobar's found his stroke, like considerably found his stroke. We haven't even really talked about how ridiculously hot Eduardo Escobar, a, aka Eddie Barrels, is right now. Um, he's he's picked up where Canna left off. Canna was on that ridiculous streak. He's right there, same same as McNeil.
0: Canna's still on it, and so is McNeil, man. You know it.
1: It's amazing when every when all the pistons are hitting, how smooth this engine runs. But that's besides the point. With Guillaume coming back, with Escobar doing what he's doing, with Ruff and Naquin, and to an extent Volvo back, who's looked a little bit better at us as of late. Same thing with Naquin, but Darren Ruff does not look good. Um, and he was expected to be a big part of this DH bench bat you know, group triumvirate, whatever you want to call them. I think that with Giorme coming back and the versatility on this roster, it's really going to put guys in tight spots as far as having to earn at bats. And hey, if that move, Darren Ruff is not going to get consistent playing time and has to come off the bench very cold and produce. I mean, he kind of made his own bet in that sense. I think Aquin's yeah. going to serve more of a purpose just because of his fielding capabilities and uh, the fact that he has looked more capable at times. Um, but I think both but of that you think to that
0: that's, really- why, that's why they started rough today, right? It is just to g- try to get him going.
1: <laughs> you got to get him going. Oh, this is uh Mets, Mets years of law of your, um, yeah, I don't, I still don't understand hitting him in the five hole, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah,
0: they got to do something. I, I, think- I understand just the general sense of like trying to get him going because otherwise, like, what do you have? Because he's not great defensively. It is like a matter of if he's going to be productive offensively, he'll be on the roster come uh, October, but otherwise, you know, he's not. Useful for the Mets, so not a we
1: will opposition. see, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so just real quick, Mets have uh Bassett, DeGrom, Peterson, we think, coming up this week. Uh, Chicago and Pittsburgh are coming up next seven games. That's uh, I that's love the
1: feisty club, man. I I, I don't want to, they are, it. and they,
0: they fought us real tough, especially in the doubleheader in at, at Wrigley uh, earlier this year. But it will be important to uh, to take at least five of these next seven. We will uh, we will be back uh, to be able to talk about it later this week. Um, uh, recap the Chicago series and talk about Pittsburgh, and then I will be in Milwaukee this coming week. Really? Uh, yeah get a get a chance to visit my twentieth major league baseball stadium and also be able to see our beloved Mets. So. I'm excited. We've got we've got some teams that the Mets should be able to beat here in the next couple of weeks, and uh, as always, so excited to be able to talk about it with you, Tim. And what is that sign-off?
1: Oh, it's "Let's fucking go, Mets!" I, and kids, put your earmuffs on, rewind it, and put them back on. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's that's really all there is to it right now. As fans, we root, and at this point. I think all we can do is root and it's probably the most efficient and best thing we can do right now is just root and, you know, let's go Mets, man. That's it.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Um, Yeah. You know where to find us. It's, It's LFGM all day, every day. We'll see you next time. Peace.